Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, We do want to welcome our podcasters. Welcome to you guys. You're part of our family today, no matter where you are. We pray you're blessed in Jesus' name. Some testimonies this morning. Last week, we heard an amazing testimony. If you missed that, just jump on the podcast and have a listen. And next Sunday, in particular, someone shared a testimony with me on Friday, which was just a mind-blowing testimony. And I just thought, our church is just going to be so blessed by that. But that's going to be next Sunday. We're going to share that as well. The great thing about testimony is that testimony, A, worships Jesus, and B, it actually um, declares what is normal. Yeah, so when someone declares what God has done in their life, the hearer then goes, if God can do it for them, then he can do it for me. And so we have to always uh, make room and not be ashamed of our testimony, not have false humility and think, oh, I'm not, I don't want to seem like I have a big head. No, no, it's about Jesus. It's about making him, um, his name be lifted high. So a couple of testimonies. One is this. Um, so it's praying, someone praying uh, for someone in their workplace. Um, lately, I've been praying for healing for a girl at my work who has had a long-term illness. She knows that I've been praying and in conversations we've had, she's told me that she doesn't understand if God is real and healing works and why hasn't she been healed yet. This week, she told me that she's been back to her doctors and they have told her it's gotten so much better they're taking her off her medication completely. And she's asked for continued prayer. How amazing is that? It always takes courage to pray for someone in the workplace, let alone someone who doesn't believe in God. And to hear that is just such a testimony to God. The other one's actually from one of our students um, who prayed for a student, fellow student this week in school. Uh, This week, a girl in my class had been unwell um, and had been bothering bothering her for two days straight. I felt bad for her, but initially just brushed it off. I love the honesty. Uh, Later, I felt convicted and I realized I should pray for her. She doesn't believe in God, so she was pretty hesitant. I prayed for her and nothing happened, but but felt to pray for her again, and her symptoms completely left her. How amazing is that? I always love hearing it uh, about our students stepping out in courage, stepping out in faith, being different in Jesus' name. And uh, and I encourage us as a church, um, send your testimonies into the office, send them into our Facebook, our social media. Um, You can be anonymous, like those that I didn't mention names, you can just encourage the church family and those on our podcast. Uh, We just want to prophesy what God can do in people's lives in Jesus' name. So every week, think about testimonies and send them in because you never know what hearer will be transformed by hearing it. Are you doing well? This morning, I'm excited to share this message with you. Uh, But let's just take a moment, just pray and just set our hearts, um, fix our eyes on Jesus. I don't know if this week's been a really amazing week for you or if it's been a challenging week for you. But what I do know is that God knows where you're at and he will look after you. He promises to look after you. So why don't we close our eyes and let's just take a moment just to, um, to ask the Holy Spirit to have his way. All right, Father God, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you that you love your people, that you love this nation, that you love this city. 
And today, Father God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here in power. I pray that people's hearts will be transformed, that people who are struggling will be encouraged, that people, most of all, would hear you, Holy Spirit, that would be encouraged by you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word changes lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't you turn to Numbers chapter 14, Numbers 14, verse 23. Numbers 14, verse 23. This morning, I want to speak to you about a subject called From Ordinary to Extraordinary. From Ordinary to Extraordinary. Who here wants to be extraordinary? Well, all you've got to be to be extraordinary is just be extraordinary. Be a little bit above the ordinary. Be a bit different than the ordinary. People who change the world are extraordinary people. People who go the extra step. People that believe for that miracle. People that step out of the boat. People that aren't afraid just to fit in with everybody else but think, I'm going to step out on what Jesus has for me. I'm going to step out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that person goes from being an ordinary person to being an extraordinary person. Numbers 14, verse 23 says this. It says, it says, Not one will ever see the land that I swore to give their fathers. This is speaking to the Israelites. They had left Israel. Uh, sorry, they had left Egypt, and God had promised them, leave slavery, leave Egypt, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. The promised land was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the promises of God. It was a good place to be. It's where the grapes were so big that two people had to carry them on a stick between them. Imagine going to Coles and saying, I want that bunch. And then the Coles workers got two men coming out with a stick and taking it to your car, a huge thing of grapes. That's how big the grapes were. Any grape fans in the house? Okay, well, I'm speaking to you right now. That's how, how fruitful the lamb was. But it says this, a sad thing occurs. Basically, a whole generation misses out on the promise of God. But it goes on to say this. It says, none of those who have treated me with contempt will see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. You know, the thing is about God, the thing is about your walk with God, is that God often gives you promises. He often speaks to your heart. He often, when you read the Word of God, as Scripture jumps out at you and you think, I'm, hold, I'm laying a hold of that. Who here feels like they have a promise in God they're yet to see? Okay, so God allows us to have promises. He speaks to our hearts. But the thing is about the promises of God is that we see here from Caleb that the way to inherit the promise was, number one, to have a different spirit, and number two, to follow him wholeheartedly. You have, we have to understand this morning that by having a different spirit, by having an extraordinary spirit, it actually opens the door to step in to your promise. A whole generation missed out on the promises because they had an ordinary spirit. The spies went into the land and the majority said, 
It's too much. The giants are too big. We can't take it for God. But Joshua and Caleb said, we can take it. We can do it in the power of God. We can see the promises come about, even though naturally it makes no sense. Through God, we can do it. They had an extraordinary spirit. This morning, I want to encourage you that you can be a person, no matter what your circumstance is, that has an extraordinary spirit, has a different spirit. Having a different spirit causes us to enter into God's promises. The thing is about the promises of God is that the devil, the enemy, does not want you to enter into your promises. He doesn't want you to. His whole mission is to kill, steal, and destroy you. But you know what? He can't actually do that to your physical being. But he can do it to your faith. He can do it to your spirit. He can do it to your expectation. He can do it to what you believe in God for. He uses things like discouragement, disappointment, contempt, familiarity, gossip. All these things come in and we stop believing God for the promise and we start going into survival mode. Don't let the enemy rob you of your promise. Don't let the enemy rob you of your expectation. If you have been a Christian for any period of time, you know what it's like to believe God for something and feel like it hasn't happened yet and be discouraged. Anyone been discouraged here before? I have. When you say, God, I believe your Bible says this. Well, I believe it. I believe it in Jesus' name. And then you see the opposite happen and you think, where are you, God? And often people walk away from God in that moment. Little do they realize that God says, trust starts when understanding stops. But actually think about this for a second. Just think about this. The minute that you can't understand is the minute that trust is birthed. Especially our young people here get this. Your emotions are fickle. Don't follow them. You will feel great one day and you will feel terrible the next and you will feel great again. Be led by your conviction, trusting that God, no matter how you feel, no matter how your circumstance looks, that the Word of God is more powerful, is bigger and is greater than how I feel in the moment. Now, emotions are important. Emotions are is a gift from God, but they must be tamed. Anyone who's been married knows what it's like to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm not thinking about me right now. If I was led by my emotions in our marriage all the time, Charlotte's going to need all the help she can get. I have to choose to trust God beyond my emotion. So how do we overcome the enemy? We have an extraordinary spirit. Today, I actually believe if you lay a hold of, to the principle of what I'm sharing today, it will literally change the course of how you do life. What I'm going to share today is actually something that Charlotte and I talk about regularly. And it's actually set me free so many times from being bound by the enemy. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Why is spending time with God so important? Why is reading the Word of God so important? Why is coming to the house of God in community so important? Because you are surrounded all week with people who have a worldly mindset. This is your one chance, apart from Connect Group, when it comes to Celebration Church this Sunday, to get around people who have a different mindset, a different spirit. So lay a hold of it and make the most of it. But don't act like the world in your thinking. We have to realise that we don't overcome the enemy with the weapons of the enemy. We overcome the enemy with the weapons of the kingdom. And these often don't make natural sense. It says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, the weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we are in a war right now. We are in a battle right now. I hope you realise that. You're looking at me right now, but who knows spiritually what's happening around us? There is darkness, there is light, there is the enemy's trying to build strongholds in people's lives and God's setting people free. We have a miracle wall at the back, which I encourage you, write down, if you need a miracle, write it down. Don't put your number on there. We'll squiggle it out for your privacy's sake. Put it up there and we'll pray and believe God. But then when you have a testimony, praise point, put it up there as well. Why? Because there is this continual battle between people needing breakthrough and getting breakthrough. And the reality is this, though, is that God has given us the victory through Jesus Christ. We are not survivors. We are overcomers. And the thing is, we love that. We love the thought of that. But when we're in the battle, often we feel like we're just surviving. Why is it that you surround yourself with good community? Why is it that we have connect groups in church so you can get around other Christians who can pray with you, who can help you? who you can be real with. We never want to become an event-based church. We want to be a family. We want to be a community. And there are a bunch of connect groups. Get along to them. Make them priority because they can help you stay healthy because every now and then you feel like in life that you're by yourself and that's where community is built. On a Sunday, stick around after church. Have coffee with someone you haven't had coffee with before. Sow into friendships. Sow into relationships. Why? By doing so, you're just creating a safety net around you of people who love you in Jesus' name. So here's the, here's the, that's the intro. Here's the crux of today. How do we have a different spirit? Here's a key that I live by in my life. It's this. We have a different spirit when we move in the opposite spirit to what's coming against us. And when we do this, the breakthrough occurs. Now, have you ever realised in Scripture that often the Bible tells us to do the opposite to what the natural expectation is? When someone hits you, it says, turn the other cheek. It doesn't say hit them back. It says, turn the other cheek. When it comes to the cross, this amazing example of we deserve death, we deserve punishment, but then what does Jesus do? He does the opposite. He says, I will pay for your punishment. I will pay for your forgiveness. Even though I am perfect, I will do the opposite to what is expected and what is warranted. So we see this example where Christ doesn't just cover us with his love, although he does that. He goes to the extreme of covering us in the very opposite to what he deserved and the very opposite to what I deserved. 
How do you see breakthrough in your life? You stop and you say, what is the opposite to what's coming against me? When you respond in the same spirit, you're going to get the same result as what's coming against you. When you respond in a different spirit, an opposite spirit, you disarm the very spirit that's coming against you. Oh, that is a revelation that will completely change how you do everything because when something attacks you, instead of going, oh, you go, what's the opposite? Opposites day. It's always opposites day. What's the opposite? What is the, what is the, so when hate comes against you, what do you do, church? You love. When you love, you disarm hate. When you move in the opposite spirit, you actually disarm what's coming against you. How cool is that? But our natural man, let's be real, our natural man wants to fight back with what's against us. Someone's mean to me, I'm going to be mean back. Someone attacks me and my family, I'm going to attack them back, especially social media. When something happens in life, it's my, I've got, it's my job to be. No, no, no. There's actually a thing called when someone attacks you, you take the humble road. It's called kingdom. It's called normality in his kingdom. So let's just look at a few things this morning based around moving in the opposite spirit to achieve the breakthrough. I'm going to speak about what's ordinary versus what's extraordinary. So the first one is this. It's ordinary to worry. It's extraordinary to worship. (laughs) To have an ordinary spirit is to worry. And everybody here worries. At some point in your life, you will have a worrisome moment. Some people here worry more than others. If you want to excel the process of aging, worry more. Yeah? The Bible talks about how we're called to have a carefree life. Now, that's my interpretation. But the Bible says to trust Him. (laughs) The Bible says on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the question is this, is there stress in heaven? Is there stress in heaven? I don't think so. Is there worry in heaven, church? I don't think so. I don't think there is. And so therefore, that's our normal, that's our standard. But who knows that it's so good to want to have a worry-free life, but it's really hard to live a worry-free life. (laughs) The way that you actually live a worry-free life is to worship. When I don't understand and I don't have the answers and I I feel so discouraged and I feel like God's abandoned me, I'm just going to worship. On the way in this morning in the car, I had um, some Hillsong United, the People album, if you don't have it, listen to it, incredible album. And I was just singing along. I was just singing along in my heart and out, out loud, just lifting up the name of Jesus. I'm not going to do it now. I, don't, I don't, don't think so. If you're writing notes, write this down. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing... But in everything, by prayer and petition or supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love how it says here, be anxious for nothing. 
But Benaiah, you don't understand this, this, and this. You don't understand the history. You don't understand the situation. I don't need to. God doesn't need to either. Be anxious for nothing. But how does it, what does it say? It says, by prayer, by petition, let your requests be known to God, so pray. But it says, with what? With thanksgiving. <laughs> this is so amazing. I love this. If you want to disarm worry, this is such a big, big key. So cool. Find something in a situation to thank God for. It disarms the worry and it makes a negative a positive. Change the game. So Jesus was in the storm. The disciples are worrying because the storm is so big and they're going to die, according to the disciples. Jesus is asleep in the boat. He changed the game because instead of going, we're going to die, he was thinking, I'm in a hammock. I'm getting put to sleep. <laughs> the storm that was terrifying the disciples was the hammock that put Jesus to sleep. And think about it, it's true. It says he was fast asleep in the boat while the disciples are freaking out. It's all about perspective. When the bill comes out of nowhere and you look at your bank account, it's a place to worry in or it's a place to go, God, you can do a miracle and I thank you for that. I thank you this is an opportunity that you can do something that's out of my hands. You change the game by changing your perspective. What does worship do? Worship changes your perspective. Again, we come back to this thing of emotion. And again, I want to just pick on our young adults. I love you, but please get this. When you are led by your emotions, your emotions are fickle. You like the waves like this and this and this. I don't feel it, Benaiah. Therefore, God isn't real. Hey, God is still real. It's called trusting. But you know what it is? Worship will connect you with the Father. <laughs> Who here loves music? Yeah. So in our generation, we have no excuse not to enjoy worshiping God because there's so much amazing worship music now. <laughs> I love the worship. I love listening to modern, like, just psalms and songs to God. I also love the old school stuff. I grew up on the integrity stuff from the 80s. I love that stuff. Hosanna music, I love it. Every now and then I, I play it and show Charlotte, listen to this song. And I think she likes it too because she grew up with her parents playing that stuff and I don't mind being a bit old school. Hey, next one. It's ordinary to hate conditionally. It's extraordinary to love unconditionally. It's ordinary to hate conditionally. It's extraordinary to love unconditionally. Now, I could have just said it's ordinary to hate. It's extraordinary to love. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper because... Often we actually choose to hate things because we think there's conditions around it that it cause us to hate. We don't say hate, we say dislike. We say, put, you know, we, we don't like that, we don't want that, we don't respect that. Based on the condition around it, that person did this, that person attacked my family, that person attacked my friend, my boss treats me this way, the pastor said this, whatever it might be, and we think then that gives us conditions to actually move in a spirit of hate. The reality is this, is that the Bible tells us to what? To love unconditionally. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 43. Why don't we turn there? Matthew 5, verse 43. When you got it, why don't you tell me you got it? By the way, if you want to, who here brings paper Bible to church? Why don't you hold it up for me? I like paper. I like hearing that someone should invent an app where you turn your Bible and it makes a paper noise. <laughs> ben Green's writing that down. Look at that. Yeah, that's, that's my excellent. Matthew 5, verse 43. It says, You have heard that it is said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Opposite day, opposite moment, opposite spirit. Jesus says, you've heard it. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. No, no, no. There is no power in that that is ineffective. Jesus says, but I tell you what, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Who can honestly say that the person you like the least in your life right now, that you can say, I love them. When I see them, I'm so excited to see them. When I think of them, I just see blessing, the blessing of God over that person in Jesus' name. Charlie and I do this all the time. Unfortunately, we have to do it in our job. We, uh, we, we go for walks every, every day. We take Sally for a walk. Even if it's dark after work, even if it's cold, we have to do it because our 55-kilo dog will not leave us alone until we take her out. So we go for a walk, and often, often, you know, in church, in church life, sometimes people can be quite unkind, and sometimes people can be quite mean, and, and all the rest, and sometimes it's aimed at me or Charlotte, and we often have to say, God, you know what, we talk about it as we walk, and then we always finish with this, and, and this is, you can ask her, it's, we always finish with God, we just release those people, or release that person. We say, God, we bless them in Jesus' name. We thank you that you have a purpose for their life. Now, does the emotion side feel good? No. But the spirit man in us. And what happens is a weight lifts off your shoulders, especially if you feel hurt, especially if you feel hard done by, especially if you feel like someone you know has been hurt. You know, the natural response is to want revenge or they will get what's coming. But the reality is the Bible says, love your enemy. So again, we have this principle where in life stuff happens and what do you have to do, church? Stop. Opposite. My work colleagues are speaking about me. Stop. What's the opposite? Love them. Somebody's just spoken about me. Someone's hurt me. Stop. What's the opposite? The teacher spoke to my child in a negative way. How do I respond to the teacher in love for all the parents here? Whatever it might be, Take a moment to stop and think, what is the opposite spirit? Because love will always trump hate. Always, always, always. What does the Bible say? Love, love never fails. Love overcomes. If you're married here as a couple, make sure that you're speaking about this in your marriage. When stuff happens in life, stop. What is the opposite? Have me in your head. Hello, opposite. You can be that voice if you want. <laughs> what is the opposite? <laughs> By doing so, you disarm the hate, you disarm the unkindness. When people are unkind to you, be kind to them. When people come against you, be kind to them. 
hey, when people are negative to you, be kind to them behind their back. Not just to their face. When you speak about them, be kind. Talk them up. Be that weird person that is like, people say, what? What are you talking about? Like, they don't deserve that. Hey, it's all good. We're doing the opposite. Because the Bible says, love your enemy. And it says, pray for those who persecute you. When your boss treats you like rubbish, pray for him. But don't pray damnation. Don't pray fire and brimstone. (laughs) Pray blessing. And the third one is this. It's ordinary to complain. It's extraordinary to compliment. And by the way, I'm going to give you a few today. Go home and think about all the opposites in the Bible. There's heaps. I'm just giving you a taste test today, an entree. It's ordinary to complain. It's extraordinary to compliment. I think as Aussies, sometimes we can complain. I think you look on the news every night, someone's complaining about something. I don't think it's kingdom. I don't think it's heaven. I don't think there's complaining in heaven. I think that there's thanksgiving in heaven. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Hey, I'm the biggest complainer here, I reckon. I I complain all the time. I am the guy that is often glass half full and my wife is glass half, oh, glass half empty, glass half full. My wife is, that's why we're so good together. I can see the negative straight away. She sees the positive straight away. Any, any, this is an honest question. Anyone like me, you're a bit like glass half full, yeah? Oh, sorry, glass half empty. <laughs> Anyone, who, who's, who's a glass half full people here? All right, so whoever they are, go and sit with them after in the cafe. Get around those people because they can just fill your glass to fullness. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's the will of God? Pray and give thanks. Pray and give thanks in what church? In all circumstance. Not in some circumstances and not in the circumstances that you are actually genuinely thankful for. When you have a breakthrough moment, it's easy to thank God, amen? What about when you're not having a breakthrough moment? What about when it's not just not a breakthrough moment, you feel like it's getting worse? What about when it starts to rain, but then it pours? One thing goes wrong, and then five things go wrong. You're saying, you got the song, you know, I believe you're my healer, and you're getting worse. <laughs> and you're crying out to God, and you're getting worse. Can you still thank God then? What about when your husband or wife offend you? What about when your kids do something and it really hurts you? What about when your employer or your workers who you employ don't treat you with kindness? What if your pastor says something that offends you? Maybe he's trying to grow you. Whatever it might be, pray and give thanks. You change the game through thanksgiving. I'm going to to go to this extreme. If you can thank God in everything, nothing becomes negative. Everything has then got a positive edge. I ran out of petrol. Thank you, Jesus. 
I might meet someone new who comes along and they can encourage me and I invite them to church. If you're single, you might meet your husband. I don't know. But whatever it might be, God can work all things for the good. Put petrol in your car, but it's the same. <laughs> Another one. It's ordinary to be stingy. It's ordinary to be stingy. It's extraordinary to be generous. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap for what the measure you use will be measured back to you. Every now and then, like so Charlotte and I with our finance, um, back when she was at uni and I was working on, as a pastor on team here, we didn't have as much money as we might have now. We didn't have much money at all. We were actually going week to week. At Bible college, I was going backwards by $50 a week. And I was just paying my tithe, paying my rent, paying my petrol and paying my fees for college. And that was it. And I was going backwards. But God always looked after me. And now we have weeks where we go backwards and weeks where we go forwards. But what we do is every week we want to be generous to somebody else. So financially, we will always put, uh, we believe that our tithe, 10% is God's, it's not ours, we give it to God. We have an offering on top of that, that's how we live. And then we have a generosity account. Although it's not really an account, but in our heads it's there. And every week we think, let's be generous above and beyond ourselves. Why? It makes you feel awesome. I love giving gifts. I love paying for things. It's just... It makes me happy. Anyone else like that? Yeah. That's what generosity does. Yeah. We had a week recently, and we added up all the things that week that we did generously, and it was a lot of money. It was just one of those weeks where there was a lot going on, and we were just like, I mean, this is how we respond. Oh, God sees it. <laughs> God sees the generosity. Yeah, this is going to hurt, but God sees it. Yeah. And by doing so, what happens is, we don't actually respond to whether we have uh, the resource right now. We respond with, when we're in lack, we still give. We don't trust in just our own human reasoning or our own natural resource. And let me say this, God has always looked after us. God always comes through. We were able to buy our first house when I was, Charlie was at uni and I was on pastor's wage, which is the equivalent to a primary school teacher in Victoria if you didn't know that. <laughs> Transparency for you right there. That's it. So I'm just like, God, but then God done a miracle and we're able to buy a house in the, in the peak of the market. God looks after those who put him first. God looks after those who aren't bound by a stingy spirit but choose to be generous. Anybody can be stingy. Anybody can withhold. I've just decided that we're going to have two open hands, one to receive and one to give. I understand that in life, our life isn't measured by what we attain, but by rather what we give. So here's the key. When you're feeling like you're in a place of lack or you're, it's a bit tight and you're like, I don't know, it's a bit of a tight season, still choose to be generous. Okay, remember, we stop and we do the opposite. What's coming against us might be a season where it's tight, but what we say is, God, we're going to be generous. And what happens is you actually, I believe, you unleash something, give and it will be given to you. You unleash something 
even though the natural tendency is to withhold. (laughs) Even the widow didn't have much to give, but she gave and it changed and it moved, it impacted, sorry, the heart of Jesus. Again, it's not how much you give, it's about equal sacrifice. Everybody here has an ability to be generous, but you also have the ability to be stingy. Choose to be extraordinary, not ordinary. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right, let me just quickly just get through these. It's ordinary to live by sight. It's extraordinary to exist by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Now, when it comes to God, we believe that He is there and He exists. We believe by faith. But also, we have to understand that faith moves mountains. What is it in your life right now that you're believing by faith that you don't yet see? (laughs) Is everything in our life right now attainable naturally or is there always an element of God doing something bigger than what my ability is? At some point, I want to speak about the language of faith. The way you speak, there is a language of faith and it's a language that moves mountains. You see, you have the power to see breakthrough when it comes to faith. But faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we don't yet see. What is it today in your life? Have a think about it where you think, I don't yet see it, but I am certain God is going to do it. God loves faith. You see, Joshua and Caleb had eyes of faith to take the promise, but the rest of the spies had eyes of doubt. You see, you can live by your sight or you can exist by faith. You can live by what you see, by what you can work out, by your human reasoning. And please understand, God gives you wisdom. Like it's still part of it. He gave you a brain, yeah. But there's always an element of beyond that too. That's a scary thing of faith. It doesn't make sense, God, but I'm going to step out of the boat in the storm and walk on water. Peter still had a brain, yeah. His natural brain would have said, don't walk on the water, you're going to drown. But there was a spiritual side that said, step out in faith, Peter. So today, God encourages you to be extraordinary, to receive the promises, to step out in faith. What's the opposite to the circumstance you're currently seeing? Faith might be the very thing you need to overcome. Maybe it's beyond the understanding of everyone around you. Maybe it's beyond what the doctor says. Maybe it's beyond what your budget says. Maybe it's beyond what your spouse says. Maybe there's something deeper that God is doing that when you sit with him, he stirs you beyond what is natural. That is living or existing by faith. The next one is this. It's ordinary to be limited by your weakness. It's extraordinary to be liberated by his strength. It's ordinary to be limited by my weakness, but it's extraordinary to be liberated by his strength. I use that on purpose. His strength has the power to liberate has the power for you to rise above your current weak situation. Romans chapter 12, verse 8, let me read it for you. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Hear that? Just listen to that. His power is made what? Perfect in your weakness. Every time you're weak, there's a moment of power being made perfect. And then it goes on and it's like, this makes no sense naturally. Makes no sense. He says, this is Paul, he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. 
That is, for, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulty. For when I am weak, I am strong. Whoa, opposite say. Opposite? What's the opposite? What's the opposite? When you are weak. Let's break it down for us today. When you have a week that's the worst week of your life and you feel like you can't get through it. When you have news that rattles you to the core and you don't know how to respond. When, you're, uh, when, you, when God's called you to step out of the boat or he's called you to serve or he's called you to, and you feel weak, we have a choice. I will box myself into my limitations based on what I think I can do or I will look to him and realize, like Paul says, I will boast in my weakness, gladly by the way, because when I do that, his power rests upon me. I speak out of conviction with this church because my life is this. My wife will tell you, most things I do are outside of my natural comfort levels. Public speaking for me is outside of my comfort level. Now, that's going to be news to most of you, but I am a learned extrovert. I learned to be extroverted when I need to be. But if it was up to me, I would be in my shell, enjoying my little world. My wife will tell you that. When I go and visit pastors this week up and down the coast, every single lunch, every single coffee I have with them, by the way, I'm going to, we're going to pay for them all. I'm going to sit down and it's going to cause me to be bigger than myself. I, I just, I, I can't rely on what I think Benai can do. Now, do I have to have self-care? Yes. Do I have, yesterday we had a family day, just me and Charlotte and Sally, our dog, we just spent the day, it was great. It was a down day because we have a busy few weeks coming up. We needed a day for ourselves. We are wise with our rest, but we understand that there are moments when God will stretch me beyond my natural ability. It takes courage. Taking on the region, I had a friend say to me, oh, are you sure? It's not someone you know. They said, are you sure? They said, oh, it's a big thing. You know, I don't know about this. You haven't been pastoring for a year, I don't know. And I was just like, yeah, I have peace about it. That's how we roll. Yeah, it's true. What you're saying is 100% true. This is not the time to be taking on 15 other churches and helping them. No way. But spiritually, there's peace. So we rely on the peace of God. So when it comes to us and you and me, when you feel like you're weak, what's the opposite? Again, church, how do you see the breakthrough you move from the opposite? When I am weak, I know that his power can rest upon me. Therefore, I now lean on his power. I lean on his goodness. I lean on his uh, ability. And I know that, you know, even though I might feel like I'm going to trip after, he has got me. And by doing so, you see a breakthrough occur because when you see fruit in that season, he gets given all the glory. When you, see, when you see fruit in a season where you go, you know what, I feel like I couldn't get through the valley. I feel like I couldn't get through the storm. But I look to him and he sustained me. You read the book of Psalms and you read King David and all the times he was just in this season of storm, all the times he was just crying out to God and then he would turn to God and say, but I trust you. You are my redeemer. You are my deliverer. You, you, I put my hope. You see, storms will come, church. There'll be seasons where you want to give up. Perseverance is a very real thing. 
You receive the reward through perseverance, it says in Hebrews. Perseverance is when you want to give up. He has ever wanted to give up on something. It's even give up on God, give up on church, give up on a marriage, give up on whatever it might be. And it's like God says, persevere. Have you ever seen someone on Facebook list all their weaknesses gladly? Not really. I just want to say, I'm just so thankful that I'm really bad at this and this is going terribly wrong and this is, and this is not good and this is the worst day. And I just want to say, yes. How weird would that be? That's what Paul's doing right here. One of the biggest Instagram posts ever right here called the Bible. And he lists all the things he's struggling with. This is what I'm not so good at. But it's because he understood something. As he lists those things, as he, as he says, God, he knew that God's power was enough for him. By the way, I don't encourage you to go and list all your rubbish online. <laughs> Just saying, the principle's there. It's ordinary to want punishment. It's extraordinary to forgive. It's ordinary to want punishment. It's extraordinary to forgive. James chapter 2, verse 13, part B says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Again, our natural man wants punishment. A natural man wants justice. But guess what? In the kingdom, often it's the opposite. It's called forgiveness and it's called grace and grace makes no sense. The person who hurt you doesn't deserve to be forgiven naturally. That circumstance you went through that wasn't your fault. You know what? God's grace is scandalous. It really is. It makes no sense naturally. But you know what? There's beauty in it. For you and I, we have no excuse not to forgive because Christ has forgiven us. Every time you feel hurt, stop, close your eyes and say, what's the opposite? It's to forgive. It doesn't mean you have to like the person, but you can still forgive them. It's ordinary to sit in your discouragement. It's extraordinary to cause others to stand with encouragement. It's ordinary to sit in your discouragement or plonk, as I like to say, plonk in your discouragement. It's extraordinary to cause others to stand with encouragement. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. Encourage one another and build one another up. I love the analogy of this. This is how I think in my head. Maybe you think practically like this. Whenever I encourage someone, I I see myself as um, someone with a tool belt on and I'm just nailing some hammers in. I'm nailing some hammers, hammering some nails in. I might be repairing a roof. (laughs) Hey, naturally, I am rubbish at anything building-wise, but spiritually, I'm very good at building. I can help put people's houses back together spiritually, and I do it through the encouragement from God. I see myself like that. I'm just like... And, I, and you meet people and you can, you can see that their roof has been blown off by some circumstance or disappointment or hurt and you see the holes in the walls and you think, you know what, God, I want to help just, just, just repair. Yeah. You see, it's, it's, it's ordinary to, for me to sit in my discouragement. It's extraordinary for me to build others up through encouragement. You know, the last thing you want to do when you feel discouraged is to encourage. Anyone notice that? It's the last thing you want to do. Forget that. I'm not going to encourage somebody. I feel so discouraged right now. But you know what I've learned in life? What's the opposite? When I feel discouraged, I'll encourage. 
when I feel, that, by the way, if I encourage you, I'm not always feeling discouraged, but there are some times, <laughs> there, are some, there are moments where I just, I just think, and I'll do it, I'll get on my phone and I'll encourage 20 different people. I'll get on Facebook, I'll encourage a bunch of people. And I had that choice in that moment, do I sit here and feel sorry for myself and discouraged or do I move in what? The opposite spirit. I want a Caleb and Joshua spirit. We're nearly finished, but it's, it's ordinary to know it all. It's extraordinary to be teachable. It's ordinary to know it all. It's extraordinary to be teachable. It says, uh, I just got to quickly get through this. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5b, it says, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Don't be the guy that knows everything. Be the guy that's teachable in everything. I don't care how successful I am in different areas of life. I still want to be the one that asks questions. I want to be teachable. Humility is beautiful. Pride stinks. Don't be the one that has to be puffed up by pride. Ordinary people know it all. Extraordinary people are teachable. It's ordinary to be served. It's extraordinary to serve. It's ordinary to be served. It's extraordinary to serve. For the rest of our days, Charlotte and I, whether we're pastoring or not, will always serve in God's house. And one day our kids will serve in God's house and our kids' kids hopefully will serve in God's house. We have a conviction about not just receiving on a Sunday, but actually helping others receive. There's a reason why we talk about serving so much in church. It's not because we want slaves. It's because we understand that serving causes blessing, both for those who are serving and those who are being served. And as a church, I encourage you again that if this is your church home, get involved somehow in serving. That way, when the crippled come in, when the lame spiritually come in, when those who are beat up spiritually come in, you can give them a glass of water. You can give them something to refresh them. And P.S., everybody has something to give. I love what Pastor Joel said, we all have a well in, in us. Just ask questions. Be teachable. How can you help? How can you serve? might be kids, might be cafe, it might be hosts, it might be cooking meals for people in need, whatever it might be. Ask how you can play your part. Have an extraordinary spirit. Matthew 20, 26 says, not so for you instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be what? Your servant. The greatest person you know is the greatest servant you know. Yeah? Don't skim over that one. That's Jesus speaking right there. If you want to be great, you must be what? The servant he wants to be great I want to be great great Tony Tiger is that his name therefore I'll serve I love Jesus so I serve it's ordinary to fit in it's extraordinary to stand out this is the last one it's ordinary to fit in it's extraordinary to stand out Matthew 5 16 says in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As much as some of us here love to fit in, understand that in God's kingdom, you're called to stand out. You're called to sometimes go against the grain. You're called to sometimes speak differently to your work colleagues. You're called to sometimes be involved in church, different to your other friends and other churches. Sometimes God's calling you to go deeper and further. And listen, I'm going to preach on this soon, but you have a light in you. 
Every person, whether you are 15 or 85, has a light in you. How are you shining your light today? How are you shining it? Is it under, under a bucket? <laughs> or is it up on a hill? Why are we doing our business breakfast? Because I want to empower our business owners. We've got your back. Let your gift and entrepreneurship shine. Let your good deeds shine so that people may give glory to Him. It's, ex- it's ordinary to fit in. It's extraordinary to stand out. How cool is that? To have an opposite spirit. What do Aussies have? We have this thing called tall poppy syndrome. As soon as you stand out, I'm going to drag you down. It's rubbish. Lift people up for God's kingdom. Let's lift lights and put them on hills so people can see what God is doing in Jesus' name. Have an opposite spirit, church. Have an opposite spirit. Charlie, why don't you come up here? Why don't we stand to our feet? Thank you, Jesus. Who here is going to go away thinking about having an opposite spirit? Next time things come against you, have an opposite spirit. What is the opposite to what's expected? Because there is breakthrough in having a different spirit. There is breakthrough in having an opposite spirit, an extraordinary spirit. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? I just want to actually give you a chance to respond to the gospel today before we pray and commission you out. If you're here today as everyone has their eyes closed and you know in your heart that you're far from God, you know that your heart isn't close to Him, you know that maybe maybe you were once close and you've walked away or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. In this moment, we want to just give you an opportunity to say, Benaiah, yes, that's me. I want to come back to the Father. I want to make sure my heart is right with God. If that's you in this place, why don't you just put your hand up where you are and say, that's me, Benaiah. Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else? You want to say, yes, I want to get my heart right with God today. Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else in this place? If you're a Christian, be praying. Down here on the front, I see that hand. Father, we thank you. Anybody else? This is your moment today. Your moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is no shame too big. There is no mistake too large that you can't come back to the Father. You can't receive His grace and forgiveness in Jesus' name. Why don't we pray this prayer of commitment together? And if you put your hand up, I want you to pray this from your heart. Pray, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to give me a new start. I receive your grace and I declare, Jesus, that you are my Lord and Saviour. And Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me every day. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's give God a mighty hand of praise. All right. Hey, listen, we are, if you're new here, feel comfortable in this moment, but if you're here with your spouse, I want you to take their hand. If you're here with a friend, put the hand on the shoulder next to you. 
Um, or if you're just uncomfortable, just don't do anything. It's all good. <laughs> We're going to pray for our church family. We love sending you out in the blessing of God. In Jesus' powerful name. Father God, we thank you so much for our church family. And right now we send them out um, in the power of your spirit, God, the opposite spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray for them as they encounter their weeks and circumstances and situation, God, that they'll be reminded to always act in your kingdom, um, in your kingdom spirit, in the way that you have for us, God, not in the worldly ways, God. So we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're going to do in and through this church, God, and what you've already started to do. We pray for sisterhood this afternoon as well, God, that all of the ladies will be so blessed and refreshed. And we send out our church right now in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Woo. If you do want prayer for anything, church, feel free to come down. Um, we'll have a team down here to pray for you. The mega rosters are up the back for all of our wonderful volunteers to collect. We'll see you next week or this afternoon. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.